0: This is the Fail Fast Podcast. Stories of entrepreneurs who looked at failure in the eyes and didn't give up. With your host, the online sales master, Quinn Amorum. Welcome to the show, my friends. Today, we have a guest who bought his first apartment building at the age of 18 while he was still in university. He lost a fortune during the dot-com boom and not the boom, but the bust in 2001. And then he started looking for ways to earn passive income instead of trading time for money. And he has done so since then. He has built a successful company that we're going to talk about in a minute. We have with us today, Eric Martel. How's it going, Eric? Very good. How are you? Very good. So like right off the bat, I know you bought an apartment building at the age of 18. (laughs) Pardon me.
1: It wasn't just an apartment. It was the whole building. It was an eight unit apartment building uh, close to Montreal where I used to live. And uh, I had listened, you know, you, we could always listen to these uh, commercials about, oh, you know, buy real estate, no money down and all of that. And I said, Oh, you know, how can that be? And then I, but I was uh, lucky enough to meet uh, a real estate investor uh, who became my mentor and he was basically just a regular uh, community college teacher. And just with his normal salary, nothing special, he was able to build a 36-unit apartment building, like build it from yeah. the ground up and rent it out and stuff like that. And he was, he was making a lot of money off of that, He was making a living off of that. And then uh, when I last saw him, he was, like years ago, he was looking at building a, a shopping center. So that's, that's what yeah. he was doing. And. Uh, I found his, him like very inspiring because he was extremely methodical and he had really a daily practice of, uh, you know, he would wake up very early in the morning and he would start kind of like, just think about what am I going to do today? What are my, the problems? What are, what's the, the, the to-do list? And he would just think in, uh, and then kind of solve problems right there and then. Uh, so I asked him to be my mentor and say, hey, you know, I've heard about all these things. I mean, this can't be real and blah, blah, blah. I said, no, you can't do that. Yeah, let's, let's do this. And, um, so that's basically how, uh, the, the first building and I just, uh, and it was nice because it was kind of my, he was kind of my safety net, uh, if you will. He was telling me, no, you're doing right. This is, this is the right thing. Mm-hmm. And, um. Uh, and as, you're ta- as I was talking to my realtor, my realtor said, well, no, no, that's impossible. You can't find that. But my mentor would tell me, no, no, keep going, keep going. Ask him for the listing and we'll we'll work through some of these things. And wow. um, yeah, and then I basically uh, asked the realtor for, in those days, there was no computer. There was no Zillow, Trulia. And mm-hmm. then, uh, so I asked my the realtor, I said, can you give me the listings for the, multifam- the multifamilies in the, in the area? So he gave me like four, three ring binders. <laughs> and I started looking at one page. One page was one listing. So it just kept going and stuff like that. And then I was going through the details of each uh, of each properties at the beginning. And I was just like, this is too much. And I have like four binders to go through. By the time I reach the, the the end or find a deal that works, uh, you know, the house is going to be sold. So the mm-hmm. property is going to be sold. So I said, okay, well, I have to find a shortcut. And basically, this is when I I basically use something just like the 1% rule. I think everybody is, uh, a lot of people have heard of the 1% rule on the real estate uh, side, which is basically the monthly, the gross monthly rent divided by the price of the property. And that's a good rule of thumb to kind of find a a real estate uh, rental properties that will cash flow, which is what I was looking for. Mm -hmm. And um, this is kind of, uh, so I went through all the properties out of these four binders. I found maybe like two or three that was kind of, that would work. And then I looked at the details and then, then I started, uh, looking at how am I going to buy this? How am I going to be able to afford this? Because I don't have any money. Uh, so, so I had to find a, a seller that was willing to do uh, what's called a vendor take back or a second mortgage and to basically pay for the uh, the rest of the of the apartment so find a, a bank to do the first mortgage for 75 percent of the and then have the seller actually put the other 25 percent um, for the rest and then I was covered hundred percent finance and cash flowing at the end Wow so yeah so that was kind of interesting and I still remember when I went to the bank, I went to a couple of banks, but then eventually I went to a credit union. all the bank told me, no, they can't do financing uh, for eighteen years old. <laughs> it doesn't matter what it is, what deal it is. It doesn't matter if it makes money. No, I'm sorry, we can't do that and then but I went to a credit union and then uh, to and then to apply, I had to write a check for like seventy five dollars for the application fee for the mortgage and stuff like that. and i I think I had like a hundred dollars in the bank uh, when I wrote that check, so, no <laughs> so okay. Way. But, you know, when you're young, this is kind of like, um, you say, okay, well, what could go wrong? I have nothing to lose because I have nothing. So uh, let's do it. And uh, um, so, yeah. Wow, and man. I bought it.
0: <laughs> oh, wow, Eric, I mean, there are so many things that are incredible about that story. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, not only you because you did it at the age of 18 and then you bought an entire apartment building, but also just going back and remembering the days where the real estate agents had to go around with binders yeah (laughs) yeah and oh yeah and there was no way to filter like how we have things so easy today that you open up a computer you turn on a filter and you say i only want to see properties in this price range that have this and this and this yeah yeah Uh, and while you have to go through binders and binders. Incredible!
1: But even the business that we're doing today with Martel Turnkey, we wouldn't have been able to do that uh, even in 2000. Because I, I tried to do something in 2000, in, invest in real estate in 2000, and you, you couldn't do that. I was you kind of stuck in one area unless you're planning to fly and everything. But technology, with uh, you know, with the electronic signature, with uh, you know, the banking and stuff like that. Everything is a lot easier, and it allows us to do what we're doing today with Martel Turnkey, which is out-of-state investing, out-of-state for us. We live in California, and then we invest out-of-state. But we wouldn't have been able to do that you know, 10, 10, 15 years ago. So that yeah. um, technology has changed significantly. And you said that first apartment, that was in Montreal. That's Montreal, Quebec. That's right. Yeah, close to Montreal, actually. It was in a town called trois Rivières, Tree River, in uh, about 45 minutes from uh, from Montreal.
0: Okay very good and then yeah. then you move over to the US and now you are in you are in California or your business is in California
1: so after that i was also uh i then i became like a independent con- consultant so high technology started coming coming along and uh i i, well, I also i was also an actuary for a period of time uh, working with pension plans and stuff like that and, uh, basically converting a whole bunch of defined benefit pension plan into 401ks, basically, and really putting the risk of the, uh, of the retirement risk, basically from the employer, shifting it onto the, uh, the employees and the workers. Um, I didn't really like doing that every day. That's all I was doing. So I didn't really like the job. Uh, so, uh, I went to uh, high tech. And became an independent consultant, eventually worked for a company, and then moved to California in 2000.
0: So what, one of the things that I ask um, entrepreneurs that started business in the 90s, one of the things I asked them was like, how was your year of 2001?
1: Two thousand and one was was not good for me. Uh, <laughs> yeah, especially that. Uh, well, we had the dot com crash. Actually, when I moved to uh, California, I moved with a company called uh, a CRM company, and I had a lot of stock options at that point. And then, uh, and they were uh, all above water. And then, and that's why I was looking to diversify. In two thousand, I was looking to. I was looking for real estate. I had. I had the funds to do something and then to uh, to invest, but then the returns were were not that good. So I diversified some of that into the stock market, but then we had two thousand and one, um, and you know, and the dot com crash, and then I, I basically lost most of it to uh, to the dot com crash.
0: Wow, and that was just kind of like financial loss. Was there mm-hmm. Uh, of course, there's always stress involved, and stress causes other things. Yeah. Uh, how how bad was that for you? Was it just like okay, I'm losing a couple million, but it will be fine, or was it? Yeah, more serious?
1: But, yeah, I lost. I didn't lose anything else, so it was. I lost some paper paper money, so stock options that became like less above water, pretty much, mm-hmm. almost at par. I had diversified about a third of that into a stock market. So then it went down like, uh, I think it went down like 25 or 30%. Um, and so, you know, I had to shift all of that. But yeah, I mean, I didn't lose my house. I didn't lose my sanity. I didn't lose anything <laughs> else. I just lost a little bit of my my pride. And uh, <laughs> But that's about it. That's easy to rebuild.
0: Yeah. You know what? Sometimes... And uh, it's, it may not even sound good to say this, but sometimes losing a bit of pride is a good thing. Yeah. B- because I was there too, and sometimes when you you get an eye opener, and then you realize, like I did, like, "Oh, okay, I, I am not bulletproof." Right. So there yeah. are things that, um, and and the lessons that we get from them are are probably the most priceless things. So yeah. how how many businesses? Have you started since then? Since since your days of buying uh, full apartment buildings?
1: Yeah. So basically, so 2000 was kind of a shakeup for me because I said, okay, well, this is not this is not working out. I mean, I I was basically in 2000, I was I felt like I was done. I had enough money, I could retire and stuff like that. But I said, oh, I'm young. I'm just going to keep working. And then all that uh, evaporated, and now it's just like you know this is like i'm not i thought i was in control but i'm not in control like the the, the stock market is i'm i'm not controlling that i'm not controlling the economy the dot com crash and all that and then even the investment that i thought were fairly secure were not that that secure so i had to figure something something else out so this is when we I, I really started focusing on passive income also because i was an independent consultant so that meant that you know one hour like i'm basically uh trading my my hours for money, and um, so if I don't work, if I go on vacation or whatever, I don't get paid for that. Uh, but I still have to pay the vacation. So, um, so, <laughs> so for me, it was always like, well, this vacation is costing me twice what you think it costs. Yes, uh, you know. So, so I really didn't enjoy that, and um, so I said, okay, well, I need to be able to make money in my sleep. You know, passive income is the way to go. How do we do that? And I think that the first one that we did was uh, my wife wanted to do a, a low carb grocery store so um so I think that was in the days with the atkins yeah, and yeah. Uh, so she was very much into that and um, so we start and then it was really building up it was getting big there was really a lot of momentum and we said okay well let's let's do it and um, and then so she she built that and then that, the plan was that really we're gonna grow that and then we're gonna be uh, you know that's going to generate income, and then we can kind of back away, have a manager, and all of that. But um, Atkins died. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if you remember Atkins, but he was the big doctor that was the proponent proponent of that uh, low carb diet. And then he died, and that post- created a whole bunch of questions. And that whole low carb market basically, you know, it, it evaporated. Like it just, yeah. uh, you know, a lot of and a lot of. Uh, stores and stuff that I had to close down and all of that and uh, for us we uh, we thought okay well we can we can kind of pivot from that we can do some other things and what are we going to pivot to and uh, how are we going to re- change the, the the business to make it work and then um, so my wife really looked at that and said okay well I think we're just going to have to shut it down because there was it, it didn't work out um, so so we ended up shutting that down um but uh, at least we didn't we didn't make we didn't lose any money. We didn't make okay. uh, that much money, but we didn't lose any money on that one. And this is pretty much the story of um, of everything that that we're doing. I mean, we. Uh, I am taking very calculated risk in all my investments, you know. And so all the ventures that I've done, all the um, all the businesses that I started, I never I never lost. Um, Significant amount of money. I may have lost a little bit of money, but never lost a significant amount of money. So that really allowed me to um, to do more of these uh, these ventures and invest more in other ideas and all of that. So if if you're thinking that you know, like uh, if you're thinking of becoming an entrepreneur, if you're one of your listeners is thinking about that, just make sure that you take calculated risk. I mean, it's not like it shouldn't be like a gung-ho approach, and then let's just. You know, put all my money in and stuff like that. No, get some other investors in involved as well, and then you know, and then kind of mitigate your risk and make sure that you know you can still do something else after that. Don't yeah. put the house, don't put the car, don't put everything um, on the line for for your ventures. You know
0: what, Eric? I hear that too. Too often these days, with with the internet, everybody that has a voice wants to express that voice they want to yeah. they want to hear themselves <laughs> and then they want others to hear them too and there's a lot of people that say just do it what mm-hmm. what is the worst that can happen yeah and i hate every time that somebody says that because the worst that can happen is the worst thing you can think of that's the worst yeah yeah because, as things always happen and if there's a way because others say that if you're taking calculator risks Your returns will be calculated returns. Yes, that's right. And just because you're safe doesn't mean that your returns are going to be smaller, right? You can can minimize. That's why I love what you're saying. You can always minimize the risks. And I do that often when I get physical products Yeah, uh, because I know that if I launch something and it doesn't have the success that I expected, at least I can try to break even, right? Yes, that's right. And and continue. Uh, Yeah so that's why i I really appreciate what you're saying i yeah. mean try to minimize the risk do it you st- you can still take yeah. action on yeah. things but yeah partnerships is one of them
1: that's right yeah i think so and the, the other thing too i think you have to find the right balance right so you don't want to be like so risk averse that you don't take any action and on the other hand you don't want to take You know, like uh, you know, take risk. uh, You know that you shouldn't have to, uh, in order to potentially do like a minimal return and stuff like that. So, I think the uh, I think the calculated risk I think is a very good approach because then you can you can take action. You know what the risks are, and you know that you're not going to lose your house on it, and you're you're going to be safe, and you can do it again.
0: So, if somebody wanted to start. Buying apartment buildings like you did, yeah. that was many years ago, and things have changed uh in, in any business you can think of over the last fifteen, twenty years, everything changed it yeah. changed. Uh, is it still possible and profitable to go buy a full apartment building, and can you still do it with one hundred dollars in the bank?
1: I think it's uh I think you can do it I think you can still do it. I think it is still possible to do it. I think you need to educate yourself as a, uh, as a real estate investor and in finding these multifamily uh, deals. Uh, and then you have to network with, uh, with investors to basically help fund, fund the deal. And I think as a sponsor of a multifamily project, I mean, you would be able to put minimum amount of money or maybe no money, and then just for having found the deal and then kind of like bringing all the parties together. So I think it's still, it's still very much possible. You have work to do, uh, but uh, you know I think it is definitely possible, and I think it's a little bit easier now to find to find these investors, to find these uh, the people that are going to help you uh, invest in those deals. So there's a lot of private money lenders out there. There's a lot of ways to to network with uh, other investors, They're going to meetups and real estate, real estate investment groups. Something I didn't. There was none of that when I bought my yeah. uh, my apartment building. I mean, my my network was a network of one, and yeah. then uh, <laughs> he just kept telling me, "Yeah, you're doing good. You're doing good. Keep going. Keep going." Yeah. So um, yeah. So I think it is possible to, uh, as I was saying, to, to to do multifamily deals and then put as a sponsor put very little money in. Um, I think it's uh, it's easier than ever before to to network with people across the country and then find investors, private money lenders, uh, equity partners to get in the deals. I think we're nowadays, if you find a deal and you know and you have a good network of people that you can reach out to as and you know how to put the the deal together, um, then yeah, I mean you can you can easily find find yourself in a situation where you can be part of uh, an apartment building, and, uh, and have um, you know, some ownership over that. You're not, probably not going to have 100% ownership, but at least you're going to have yeah. some ownership into that. And this is something that can propel you to, to kind of your next deal as well. And
0: does it doesn't matter to you uh, how far physically, how far away those businesses or those apartments are from you?
1: Not anymore. I think in 2000, I think it did, it did matter. I was looking at, uh, it, it was very hard to really kind of like work on these uh, these deals remotely. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> so I was looking mainly at California uh, and uh, I was even looking, to, so I lived in the Bay area at the time and then finding uh, pos- deals that had positive cash flow and had a good return, a cash on cash return, was was pretty much um, impossible i mean you would have a return maybe of three or four percent cash on cash return on your deals and if you wanted to them to have a positive cash flow you had to put a lot of cash in yeah um so i would start looking just outside still within california and then uh kind of like in fresno and all of that a lot of people did very well there but it was too far from me like i didn't want to go and drive Three hours to uh, two hours to go to Fresno, so I said, oh, no, no, "No, I'm I'm out." And then the stock market was good at the time in 2000, so that's where I decided to diversify. But uh, yeah, so we know what happened after that. Yeah. Uh, so, but nowadays, with with the technology, with all of that, I mean, if you're gonna go into an out-of-state, uh, so this is what we do now. which Everything for us is out of state, and we basically build a team on the ground. In each, so we're in Memphis and Cleveland. These are the two markets where we're very active. And we basically have a, a team on the ground. We have a realtor, we have property management on the ground, and we have contractors as well. So all these uh, people are working together. We are on email and uh, video calls and all of that. And we stay in touch. Uh, you know, communication is very, very important. We make decisions the same day. We talk about all the issues uh, immediately. All these things were. Well, actually, I don't, even video phones—they didn't exist in they didn't exist in 2000. So it came, I think, it came out after that. But uh, yes, yeah. anyway, yeah. And so, so all those things right now, we can go and do a virtual tour of a property in, uh, you know, in Memphis or a single family in Cleveland, and say, okay, yeah, I see what you mean. Yeah, let's buy it or let's let's move away from that and you know that kind of stuff. Something we couldn't do in 2000, but now it's uh, hmm. it's possible. It's incredible
0: what we can do. I have a friend Eric that he has he has homes uh, spread around the country, and sometimes if the home is empty, he yeah. he also lists it on the um, Airbnb. So if it's yeah, empty, yeah. might as well make some money with Airbnb. Yeah. And with the technology we have today, if the house is empty, from his yeah. phone, he can turn off the furnace. And oh, so, yeah, so yeah, it's yeah. not, so it's not wasting extra energy. Yeah, 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 he yeah. Can, if somebody wants to see it, he can unlock the door from yeah. his phone. Like those things yeah. are a couple years ago. That would be mind blowing. I mean, today yeah. it still is what we can do. So
1: the opportunities yeah. just grow with, with technology, right? That's right. Yeah. It's still a, it's still a person, right? We still have to build the team. I mean, it's the people that are on the ground that still make a difference. Uh when we built, when we started building the team and we looked at uh realtors in Memphis and Cleveland, I mean, you know, my son basically called like you know hundreds or contacted hundreds of uh, of realtors looking for a realtor that could work with uh with the real estate investors like ourselves. And uh, you know, out of the hundred people, maybe like four or five responded. Um, you know, like and it's like it's unbelievable. And uh and with these people, I mean, we were looking for people that were very uh, responsive. So right there, <laughs> uh, people don't respond within within a day or two. I mean, we, for new business, then we said, well, we don't want to work with you because when when we don't have new business for you and we want something that uh, is going to cost you some effort or some time, then you're not going to respond. It's going to take you a week to do that. So yeah, so these people that we um, we identified and that we work with, and then we just stuck with them. Uh, thick and thin and then work through a process and um, and that's what's great, so it's still a people business It's just enabled with technology, something that um, you know yeah we can have done in the past in a recent past yeah. so you
0: mentioned earlier that one of your goals was building the passive passive income yeah. so uh because a lot of people. Uh, a lot of people out there think like you like you did when you went on vacation and when, when you said that you would go on vacation and you would think that the vacation is costing you twice the amount, yeah, I was like that. I could be laying under the palm tree, but I would think today I didn't just spend a thousand dollars it was that thousand plus what I didn't make yeah and that's right that was it was always frustrating to me uh although yep. I mean, being on vacation is is always good. Uh, but today, with this situation of, of the virus that's happening now in 2020, there's a lot of people that realize that they need passive income. They need to have that's something right. extra. So what kind of advice do you have people, uh, would you give people that have a business idea and they want, they want to get something passive to something on the side?
1: Yeah. So I think... A lot of uh, so for me, like the, the, the easiest. I've done a lot of uh, different businesses. I mean, we haven't talked about uh, you know. I did a gourmet sauce company. I did uh, we did uh, wine cooler, uh, wine bag for things. We did we did a lot of different things, and uh, it all of these things was a were a lot of work. And uh, and again, I didn't make a lot of money on those things, but I also didn't lose a lot of money on these things. So just lost a lot of time and to me the easiest thing is really uh the real estate i mean it's uh, it's been proven over the years that this is you know this is a solid investment uh through uh, any kind of uh of uh, of situation economic conditions stuff like that people always have, need a place to live and uh so this is why these rental properties uh, is a good way to uh to get started on the, on the portfolio if you have other things that uh, you, you want to work on, uh, other businesses, then you want to make sure that uh, you, you want to make sure, again, that's calculated risk and then that you start with the numbers. If you can't convince another another investors to invest with you, then maybe it's not such a good idea. Um, right? So because if there's not enough, an, and then you want to also, if you want to be truly passive income, So that business needs to be managed by somebody else. So you need to have have the ability with the revenue of the business to basically pay a manager to manage. Otherwise, if you're working, if you're working in the business, uh, then you have you just bought yourself a job. You didn't. You're not. It's not passive income. So that's that's the other thing you want to consider. Very
0: important. That knowing your numbers is very important. And again, yeah. again, that's something that I appreciate that you brought up. There, you know, there's people that, because I have another podcast, which is uh, we talk about physical products and selling those products online.
1: Yeah.
0: I get it. People approach me with opportunities of yeah. partnering. Oh, yeah. yeah and yeah. sometimes what they show me is the demand. Hey, this the demand is huge for this. I'm yeah. like, okay, the demand is fine. The <laughs> demand is good. Yeah, but yeah. what is the profit? Oh, well, we don't know yet because we're not selling the product yet. Yeah. I mean, well, I need to know the numbers before I get in, right? Exactly. If, if there's no profit, you can't convince me yet. Just like that, if you can't convince somebody else that's that it's nice. a good deal, uh, maybe it's not a deal you should be in. So that's right. <laughs> great, great. So setup. to me,
1: I think it's a good uh, it's a good exercise to always look for an investor to back you out. I think it uh, it spread your risk. And it also kind of like vets your own idea. Because sometimes we, you know, we kind of passionate about something. Yes. But sometimes passion doesn't pay the bills, you know. So you want to make sure that, yeah, you can be passionate and and want to do a business and stuff like that. Obviously, you need some of that. But passion is not just, it's not it. Mm-hmm. You can't just do things just because you're passionate and hope that everything is going to work out. The numbers matter. And then being convincing another investors to join in and fund your passion uh is a good test of uh, the viability of your business
0: very good so we haven't talked about martel turnkey yeah so what exactly is martel turnkey and like how did it start
1: so yeah i mean initially again we were looking for passive income and um And one of my son came to me, and uh, he said, "I want to do real estate uh, investing." And I said, "Oh no, (laughs) (laughs) I've been there." (laughs) But uh, I was trying to be a good father, and uh, I said, "Oh oh, yeah, that's an interesting idea. Let's explore that a little bit more, and be supportive." and And I'm glad I I was I did that because obviously this is where we are today. Um, But you know. I could have just said, oh, no, that doesn't work. I tried. That doesn't work. But uh, instead, I said, oh, yeah, well, let's explore that. Maybe there's something I may not know and something new and all of that. And, in fact, there was a lot of things had changed. And, a lot, and I learned a lot of things in the, in the, during, during that, that path or that, um, that journey. And um, so, yeah, so we started looking at that. We, and then my older son, who was graduating from LMU in, uh, in entrepreneurship, after that, he, he uh, was also interested in uh, starting something. He wanted to do a, a business, and I said, "Well, you know." Then he joined us uh, doing that. And the idea, at the beginning, was just for us to build a passive income portfolio, just for us. I mean, that's that's all we were planning to do. And um, but we also were more strategic about that as well. And uh, we started looking again in California, trying to do different things. And then that didn't work out. And then for the first time I started looking out of state Uh, and then, okay, well, if we're going to do out of state, what are we going to do? Like how are we going to manage these properties out of state and how are we going to buy the properties? Am am I going to have to fly there every time? And um, luckily I was in California and then you know how the price of real estate is in California. Um, So when you look at that, And then you say, okay, I'm gonna invest in a house in Memphis for I'm gonna buy that house, like let's say seventy or eighty thousand dollars. That's turnkey, there's a tenant in place, and all of that. And I'm gonna have positive cash flow. I'm just gonna have to put like twenty percent down. It's like, wow, I'm gonna have to put like sixteen or twenty thousand dollars in order to get this house and get, you know, two hundred and fifty dollars a month in net cash flow. So that's that's amazing, you know, as but that's because I came from the California point of view where the houses are a million dollars and then you can't imagine how can you live without granite and uh, marble <laughs> and uh, <laughs> you know what I mean right yeah. so uh but you go outside and you go uh, outside the outside California and then you say okay oh, you know, well this is uh, you know this is very nice clean and looks good And there's a tenant in there and he's uh, he has a job and all of that so so that's when we started looking. But then we said, how are we going to manage all that? So that's when we, we get the realtor and the property management uh, in place. And we said, well, instead of... Uh, so then we started buying these distressed properties, rehabbing them, and then renting them out. And then a lot of our friends were asking, so, what are you doing now? Because we have done a lot of different businesses in the past. And it's just like, they're always asking us, so what are you guys working on? You know? <laughs> And then, so we said, oh yeah, we're doing this rental and something. And I said, oh really? And I said, I said, yeah. Well, if you want to invest with us, you can invest with us. You can we can do a joint venture, or we can you know whatever. You can lend us money. And so, and then, so people started investing. Other people said, well, I'd like to buy one of those finished products, these turnkey rentals from you. And this is really when we uh, we started investing. Uh, we started uh, promoting Martel Turnkey. This is really when Martel Turnkey was uh, was was built was founded is when we decided to go outside and really help beyond the friends and family and help other investors basically generate passive income and uh build a little portfolio of that
0: so basically martel turnkey you have the homes they have Mm -hmm. they already have a renter in that's right uh and then let's say it's a two hundred thousand dollar home uh we put in Let's say fifty grand, and then you generate part of the revenue from that house, right? That's right. Plus, yes.
1: our typical yeah, our typical home is about is around eighty, ninety thousand dollars. You put twenty thousand dollars down, like the twenty percent down. I'm sorry, twenty percent down to basically get your, uh, and then you get the mortgage. You mortgage the rest, uh, and then after you've paid all your property management fee. All your property taxes, your insurance, and your mortgage, you're still left with about $250, uh, you know, $250 a month. So that's, um, yeah, so that's, it doesn't sound like much. This is the other thing too, is that oh, it's only 250 But when you calculate your return, your cash you get a free return, home. well, you basically have like, you know, for $20,000, you basically have, and you make $250 a month you're basically making like 15, 16% cash on cash return. That's significant. You don't get that at the bank. You don't get that anywhere. Stock market, I mean, it depends up and down. Uh, So you could potentially do that there, but you have to keep watching. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, I mean, this is like 15% cash on cash return, something that's significantly higher than we can get anywhere in California uh, if you want to have something that has a positive uh, cash flow
0: and that doesn't doesn't count doesn't account for property property valuation where right, you growth of value that's right sometimes it could sometimes it could decrease but the decrease of property value because it did happen to me in um, a home in in Canada as well in North, oh yeah are you from Fort, yeah. Fort, Fort McMurray Alberta oh,
1: okay wow yeah yeah yeah
0: and Fort McMurray Alberta is almost like you said in California right a a three bedroom home uh, back in the back in the those days where I bought them, it would be eight hundred grand, eight hundred thousand yeah. for a, uh, a normal family home, and then things started going a little bit down, and yeah. people were worried, and they would say like, uh, "What now? Your house is worth a hundred grand less. What are you going to do?" <laughs> like, I'm not going to do anything. Yeah, it's only worth a hundred grand less. If I sell it, if I yeah. don't sell it, it's still rented. So why would I sell it, right? I'll wait till the price goes back up and then sell. So mm-hmm. that's for, for the people that say that, what if the property is, is worth less now? I'm,
1: don't sell it. That's it. Mm-hmm. That, exactly. And yeah, a lot of people are focusing on appreciation. And I think this is a lot about, you know, I think it's a lot about some markets that are where the market is, uh, is just so hot that you know the property value the property value goes up and then you know so a lot of people are focused on that and i think it's just fine i think as long as you keep that in as the either you have a strategy to take advantage of that of that appreciation right and then you if this is if the appreciation is something it's an important component of your investment strategy then you should calculate all of that your risk and all of that and then what do you do with if there's a risk that the appreciation goes down are you going to sell or are you going to do that we're focused on cash flow and because uh, you know and then so if the appreciation goes down we don't worry too much about that we're focused on the cash flow only and then the appreciation is just a bonus And then what we've seen actually in Cleveland is the appreciation on the neighborhoods where we invest. It's actually higher appreciation than in California in the last few years. So we're just like, people keep talking about the appreciation in California, how it's, uh, you know, it's incredible, all of that. But the appreciation where we are investing in Cleveland is higher than in California. So it's just uh, mind-boggling.
0: Yeah, so I it looks to be like a win-win. So mm-hmm. if people want to find out more about Martel Turnkey and how to get in um, the website, I'm looking at it right now. It's martelturnkey.com. Yeah. Is there any other place where people should go to contact you and know more about this?
1: Yeah, so people can reach out to me on Facebook at eric.martel.ca. So that's uh, that's my page on on Facebook. Uh, and also my personal website, uh, where you're going to have all the different contacts. Uh, I also have a, a YouTube uh, a podcast on YouTube that's called Break Away from the Rat Race, where I basically uh, talk about how to use real estate to generate passive income and achieve financial freedom.
0: Break away from the rat race. You that's love right. <laughs> <laughs> Eric, thank you so much. Uh, this is fantastic. One more question before you go. So, yep. international people, somebody, yes. let's say somebody in Spain, Italy, in Canada, if they want to invest and in, buy a property in the USA, is it very hard, or is pretty much the same process?
1: It is. It is possible. Uh, every situation is different. So, if these, if you have people that are international that want to invest here, I mean, they can contact me, and we can we can work. Towards that, it depends on the country, but typically uh, they would create an LLC here in the U.S., uh, and then that LLC would be entitled for the uh, uh, for the company for the the property, and then uh, they would have to uh, that LLC would have to report them uh, to taxes in uh, in the U.S. Um, So that's basically the the gist of it. Uh, But everything else, I think, if they're looking for financing, I think there are some banks that are also doing foreign uh, financing. Or they can do financing on their on their side. Like if they're from Spain, they can go to the you know a bank in Spain to basically get their mortgage to invest out of the country. So that's another option. Right. But yeah, it's it's possible. We do have some investors like in uh, from Mexico, some investor in uh, Brazil, so and some mm-hmm. in Canada.
0: Mm-hmm. Very good. So, everyone, I'm going to have the show notes with all the links, or I'm going to have the links on the show notes for you guys <laughs> to check them out. And uh, it would be under the Fail Fast podcast forward slash Eric Martel. So, check them out when you have a chance. Don't do it right now if you're driving. Eric, <laughs> man, it's a pleasure having you here.
1: Uh, it was a lot of fun. Thank I'm, you.
0: I'm excited about this type of business, and I'm checking out your site right now. So, I'll uh, mm-hmm.
1: I'll see if there's anything in there for me right now. <laughs> oh yeah. I'm sure we'll find something. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Very good. Thank you, Quinn. Thanks for subscribing to fail fast podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review and visit failfastpodcast.com for show notes,
0: Quinn's social media, or even to tell
1: us your story.